you know, just going up, Hey man, hope you're doing okay. You know, you don't have to say anything to me, but um, I'm always here if you need to talk. Something small like that can mean the world. And even if that player doesn't end up reaching out to you, knowing that you're there is huge. This is Tom Sterling, former McMaster Marauder, current assistant offensive line coach with the University of Guelph Griffins and ALS Advocates. You are listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Today we have another installment of The Talk. Joining us we have friend of the show, he's been on before, you see him for, uh, for the Guelph Griffins coaching them up. Tom Sterling. Tom, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. As always, it is a, uh, it's a pleasure to be on talking with you guys. I uh, love supporting the brand and love everything that you guys are doing. Well, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Um, so if you're hearing this for those out in, uh, in uh, podcast land, if you're listening to this the day we post it, um, that being February 19th, we're pushing this episode ahead because in connection with what we're trying to do with these conversations, with the talk, um, Tom, you have a very, very interesting, very cool event coming up on this Saturday, February uh, the 20th, if I'm doing my uh, calculations right here. Um, So let's just start there and we can kind of get into sort of what that's all about for you. Um, I pass the floor over to you. What do you have going on this weekend? Yeah. uh, So something incredibly exciting and, you know, a a lifelong dream of mine that I get to accomplish at the age of 29 is uh, I'm actually going to be speaking at a TED talk. Um, It's the official title is the TEDx McMaster. Um, It's an association with TED, but uh, the whole talk is going to be speaking about my mother and her battle with uh, ALS, everything that she went through. She was diagnosed in 2016, my last playing year. Um, and she always had this positive outlook in, of things, even while going through a terminal disease like this. And so I'm talking about her, how she handled things, and as well as going through the idea of caregivers and just reinforcing that idea that even if you don't hear it enough, caregivers, you know, you are so appreciated and so loved for everything that you do. And that's the message that I'm trying to get across. And of course, this year of all years, being able to shine light on what, you know, people who give care and people who are working at the front lines in, in any number of capacities, it, it, it's even more, um, even more powerful. Um, so, you know, l- let's get into this a little bit. I mean, you mentioned that the diagnosis was in your last year of playing. Um, to just kind of start with the obvious question, like, what was that like dealing with that? I mean, football and school is, you know we can all speak to this such a tough thing to balance on its own. And then having this personal uh, struggle, this personal uh, uh, event going on, how, how did you deal with that? Well, I'll tell you straight up. It was tough as hell. It, uh, it sucked. uh, But there's an extra little bit, obviously, you know, you're playing a football game. It's something that you love to do. You're training, you're working your butt off and doing it, but knowing that you're doing it for someone like my mom, who this is the last time that she's ever going to watch me play. Um, this is going to be, you know, the year that's our last time ever really watching football, watching me play, watching, doing ed- anything. It put extra emphasis on everything that I had to do. Um, but like, you know, going through everything, going through the process when you're in football, obviously it's like 40 hours a week. Like it's a proper job. You know, when you're in there, it's really easy to just focus on what, what the matter at hand it was when you're outside of football and suddenly, you know, you're in a classroom thinking that, you know, 
great, I'm learning history when my mom is going through this terminal disease and she's dying. Like the, it's really hard to try to justify doing the simple things and like going to a class and going to, you know, any other activity that you really need to do. So trying to focus on things while that was going on was probably, you know, the toughest thing that I really had to, you know, focus on for me. You know, you kind of, you mentioned how football in many ways was, I don't know if distraction's the nice word, but because it's so all encompassing, so all, so, you know, all consuming of your time and that it kind of took your mind away from it. But were, were there times where it like, it just became where it did just break through no matter what, that whether it was anxiety or, or, or sadness or any wealth of emotions, like were there times where it's still kind of penetrate into this uh, full job as you sort of um, described it being a student athlete playing football, like were there times where it was still just too much? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the biggest part would really be, you know, even being at practice, going to like 12 on 12s or anything like that, having a, a three second and looking up into the stands where they would normally sit and knowing that like, this is the last time that that's ever going to happen. They always had these season seats around uh, the 50 yard line or so. And it was, you know, three quarters of the way up, but obviously without having the ability to go upstairs, like they have to uh, sit down where the handicap spots were and everything else because she was in a wheelchair. Um, and so just thinking about that, looking into the stands, you know, you're at practice, you're trying to focus on a game, doing game plan stuff. And I'm starting to tear up and starting to, you know, having to do deep breathing and things. And sometimes teammates be, Hey man, you okay? I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just too fat. I, uh, I can't run anymore. Uh, yeah. But you know, you're very hi clearly hiding your feelings in plain sight. And um, it was, it sucked. It was hell. Well, to sort of get into that component a little bit more, you know, we've talked about this with a number of the guests that have come on the show. I mean, football to state the obvious is a tough sport and it does require a certain amount of, of toughness, but that can perhaps be misconstrued at times as to what exactly it means to be tough or what level of toughness do you need for the game and can that bleed into our lives outside of the sport? Did you find that in this kind of, you know, trying to excuse your behavior, not that you should have had to, but did you feel that that was something did just you just felt like you wanted to do because you didn't feel like sharing or did it feel like it was part of the culture of football that, well, I shouldn't be talking about this. It takes away from what we're trying to achieve. What, what, what kind of drew you to, you know, making up your sort of excuse, so to speak, for, for what you were experiencing? My whole idea was, um, firstly, that, you know, I didn't want to distract guys from trying to focus on practice or trying to do anything else. But the second part, and I think it's something that anybody who's had anything, you know, really bad happen or had mental health issues or anything can really relate to is that you don't want to be a burden to other people. You know, you don't want to like unload everything that you have to say on somebody who's just like, hey, man, like, how's it going? How are things? Oh, terrible. And then you say everything. And then there's almost a sense of guilt with yourself being like, oh, my God, I just ruined this person's day or they have, you know, I put them in such a situation that they don't even know how to properly react and it's, you know, it's, it's a terrible feeling, honestly, like knowing that like you're surrounded by your friends, at least for myself. And I, I couldn't really talk about what was going on or what I was going through because I didn't want to bring them down and to ruin their day or to do whatever, because, you know, especially in that kind of a situation, there's not a whole lot of things that you can say, 
you know, it's kind of like, hey, man, that sucks. I'm so sorry. And that's about it. And at some point in time, you kind of get tired of hearing stuff like that. So, you know, you stop talking, even though it's beneficial for you to talk. Um, so thankfully, I, you know, I utilize the therapist that uh, McMaster had on on site and I was able to go and talk to somebody and, you know, that helped a bit, but it's still it's health. It's health. Well, you so you mentioned getting to to see a, speak with a therapist on campus, and you've obviously now had experience uh, as a student athlete at Mac, and as well now as a coach with Guelph. Do you find that there, either in your time playing or your time as a coach now, uh, clearly there are some resources. Um, do you find, I guess, a that there are the right type of resources, or that they're sort of for lack of a better word, sort of advertised, you know, there's so much stuff that we pay for in our tuition that like you don't realize until maybe 30 is like, wait a minute, I'm paying for this, you know, that maybe you don't realize you could have you know, taken advantage of, of having. So I guess do you, a sort of, do you think that that's something that people are aware of or that's exposed enough? Um, or I guess we'll just start with there. So I, I won't run on too much okay. with it. Do you find that those are uh, accessible for students? I think that they are accessible for student athletes. I just don't know of how many student athletes know that they exist. I don't know. Like, you know, with myself, I had no idea. Unfortunately, you know, I had gone through um, multiple things during my uh, university career. I had, you know, lost a grandmother, lost a best friend, um, lost an aunt to cancer kind of thing. So um, I had a lot of experience when my mom eventually passed away uh, so that I knew what I was doing. But initially when I was going through rough times, like I had no idea that I had access to anything. I didn't really know what to do or, you know, who to talk to, what to say. Uh, eventually I got in contact with, you know, either coaches or, um, whether it was a, um, academic, uh, specialist, I can't remember who I, I spoke to, but they, you know, recommended that we do have a therapist that's on site here and that you can go and see is covered under the tuition and, you know, going to see them, going to speak to them was, uh, always helpful, but had I known about it earlier and I'm sure if other people knew about that kind of service, it's something that they might use. Um, but there is obviously still a, a stigma around, you know, mental health and things, especially in a football locker room. When you kind of talk about this, that stigma, um, and we've all kind of experienced that in, in different ways, do you see that as something that's perhaps now lightening, so to speak, uh, that it's not as prevalent that, you know, if if someone were to speak, because sometimes it's, as you kind of mentioned, as the individual, you, you feel like you're doing the you're in the wrong for just just mentioning it to other folks, even though that's, you know, we, like we realize that that's 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 not the case just being able to speak about these types of things. But do you think that that's something that just with, with time and kind of where we're at culturally that from what you're seeing with Guelph now, it, it, does that seem like something that's becoming less of a uh, of a stigma or is it still is it still there? I think it's certainly there's been improvements for sure. Um, you don't nearly see as much guys like, you know, oh, like suck it up, loser or whatever the case may be and kind of discounting what you have to say or what you're feeling. But it's still not something that people are comfortable talking about. And I think that's that's something that we still need to work on and still need to do. Now, obviously, that comes down to, you know, a person's personal comfortability speaking about things like that. Um, but like, whereas it's great that people aren't putting people down for having, you know, mental the conversation still needs to be okay to have, you know, and whether that's just teaching people the proper terminology of just being like, Hey man, like, 
I'm really going through it right now. Like, do you mind if I just like kind of unload on you a little bit or just tell you about what's going on and just prefacing it like that instead of just going into things, which might make people feel a little bit better. Or if that's just an idea of like, you know, um, the universities themselves being like anything that you're going through, like we're here to help support you. This is like all of the offerings that we have, like feel free to reach out, whatever the case may be. Um, the conversation is still, I believe, hard to have. And uh, I think that's what really needs to, you know, that's where our efforts need to be uh, placed. Uh, so you mentioned, um, obviously, universities maybe communicating better about the resources they have. Um, and I mean, this is Zach, was, was probably our 17th uh, the talk episode kind of going in. Um, so, I mean, we've broken down that maybe administration needs to be better. Coaches need to be better. You know, players need to be more supportive. Players need to be more open about talking about themselves. And you've kind of been on, on two sides of things now, obviously as the player feeling that, that burden of not wanting to share uh, with your teammates, but now you're flipping, you're the coach. What kind of responsibility do you feel to, for your players? Obviously, you know, you're not, you're not a therapist that's not your job. You're not a professional, but like what kind of responsibility do you feel like, are there signs you're kind of seeing? Are you telling your players, Hey, listen, honestly, if anything's going on, like you can talk to me, like what's that like that now that you flip sides from player to coach. So I think that uh, universities and coaches have done a pretty good job of like initially saying, Hey, you know, these are the offers that we have. This is the uh, facilities and everything. I, but they kind of say like, this is everything we have at the beginning of the season. And then everything else is tabled. You know, it's just like, hey, this is what we have and that's it. If you continuously, and I'm not saying every single day, like, hey, we have this, we have this, but just doing something along the lines of like, hey, guys, exam season's coming up. There can be a lot of stressful things happening here. If you need to talk to anybody, if you want to speak with me, by all means, if you want to talk to a therapist, we have these resources. And just kind of reaffirming that um, is definitely something that I think everybody can really get better at, including myself. Um, but I really tr do try and, and speak to guys and talk to people who I know just on the surface level of things that I can see are either struggling. And it's not even necessarily, you know, with personal things, but like if somebody's struggling on the field and you can see them getting frustrated or somebody's, you know, clearly in a bad mood or something's like obvious that's happening, you know, just going up, hey, man, hope you're doing OK. You know, you don't have to say anything to me, but um, I'm always here if you need to talk. Something small like that can mean the world. And even if that player doesn't end up reaching out to you, knowing that you're there is huge. So you're mentioning that the your mom's diagnosis was 2016, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I guess if I'm trying to think back to when, I, I guess it would probably have been around 2014 when there was the ALS ice bucket challenge. So obviously uh, before you found out about the diagnosis of your mom. So I guess it's kind of a weird timeline thing to ask this, but just kind of knowing how that was dealt with as a kind of social media uh, sparked way of, of raising funds and awareness and then it becoming something so so personal for you a few years later do you do you look back on when that was a for lack of a better word a trend and and how does that how does that make you feel thinking about the way that that was dealt with do you think that's an effective way to go about raising funds and awareness or do you think it kind of minimalizes it in some way what, what do you have any thoughts about that so maybe the message of what ALS is and everything else wasn't properly introduced to people. And like, if anybody wants to, you know, have a gripe, sure. But anything that raises any kind of money for research against a disease is fine in my books. You know what I mean? Um, 
having something happen like that, where at the very least, if you say the words or the, the letters ALS, everybody thinks of, oh, the, that ice bucket challenge. Yeah, what was that about? And there's some kind of a conversation there versus before that, if you said ALS or even like Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, yeah, I think maybe I heard something about that. So it did raise some kind of awareness. People may not know exactly what it is, but at least they have something that to know about it. And I honestly, I, I liked the ALS uh, ice bucket challenge. I think it, it did bring a lot of money and um, anything that can support other people is, is awesome. Um, the main, the biggest thing for ALS is they have these, you know, relief centers, research centers and things. And I believe it's something along, and I don't know how the exact percentages, but it's something along the lines of like 70% of all of the, um, proceeds go towards the actual research into the, the disease. But then that other 30% goes to actually helping people who have that disease. Like with my mom, um, they were able to give us a specialized like recliner chair that could, you know, kick her legs out, but also had another function to help her stand up. And especially when it started in her legs, like she lost a lot of her, uh, her muscles in her legs pretty early on. So it was really difficult going from a seated position to standing and just having that little thing to help her get to her feet was huge, you know, cause otherwise you got to have two people on the other side, lifting her up so that she's got her walker and everything. So, um, the ALS society was fantastic with everything that they really gifted us and, uh, you know, we're able to support with. So any money that goes towards them is only helping people. You know, we've all obviously been players in this game and, and had coaches that have told us messages that they're one year out the other. And even if it makes sense logically, you, you know, whether it's like make sure you're you're hitting the books, make sure you're hitting the weight room, take care of your body, all these things. You might be, I get it. I get it. But, you know, I'm, I'm young. I'm, I can't be defeated. I'm invincible. All those things. And, you know, uh, me being the least experienced in this field, but we've all also had experience as coaches now. On the subject of, of mental health and being able to communicate with your players these messages of being able to, to reach out if you need help, being able to go and have you know conversations with, with, with whether it's a teammate or, or a professional or whomever, do you find that even though it's something that we're as a culture and even within the game of football, which is so great, talking about more do you think that it's it's done in the most effective way, or do you think there, are, or do you think it's still kind of like the same? Oh yeah, co- I'm listening, coach, but it's still kind of in one year out the other. And what would you kind of think could be better about the way the message is kind of communicated? Um, in terms of communication, honestly, like I think one of the best things that you could possibly do is instead of having a coach go out there and and say his piece, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you really want to be effective about it, bring the therapist out to a practice, you know, bring them out to a single day. Like, hey, my name's, you know, whoever. I'm the person that you guys would be dealing with. Put a name to a face and say, if you need anything, this is my email. Shoot me a message. Give me a call. Whatever it is, we can book some time for you. And just kind of like instead of this, like, oh, we have this generic service. Here's a person. This is the person that you talk to if you want to speak to a therapist. And now you have, you know, somebody instead of you know, having a player who's maybe a little timid and maybe has like some misconceptions uh, about, you know, if I'm going through something and I tell my coach about it, maybe he's going to like look at me differently or he's going to treat me a little differently. So I'm not going to say anything. Instead, take the coaches completely out of it so that you can speak to me if you want to. But if you want to just go to your therapist, here she is, here he is, go right ahead. Um, now, I, I, I like that idea, but 
this is kind of an idea I was bouncing around a couple earlier episodes, and I just want to know your thoughts on it. I mean, I don't know what it's like at Guelph. Obviously, you have your strength and conditioning coach, but I'm assuming you have a couple interns there um, that are part of, you know, graduate programs at Guelph or master's programs at Guelph, working on physiotherapy or working with the doctors. Do you think it's possible or even a good idea to why not have kind of the same thing when it comes to counseling? Not necessarily licensed therapists, but have people within the school that are assigned to a specific team. So they so the players don't just have to go. And I mean, people may look at this as a, a privilege of being an athlete, but players just don't have to go in, you know, go onto campus outside of that and just bring that in. Because I know people bring in tutors, people bring in physiotherapists, people bring in, you know, athletic trainers. So why not bring in those counselors as well, especially if people are already studying at the school to kind of be that person? Yeah, 100% agree with that. I would love that idea. Um, just having somebody who's dedicated. And even if it's not like, you know, one specific sport or one specific team, like, you know, here's a therapist for um, basketball and hockey. Here's a therapist for football and whoever, you know what I mean? Like having more people or somebody who's at least dedicated to the team um, is going to be huge. And doing at least something like, like along the lines of, you know, hey, I know exam season's coming up. If you want to book anything with me, uh, here you go. Um, essays are due soon. It's the end of term, whatever it is. Um, you know, I have this time available, whatever. Just having that extra influence to let people know, hey, like, I'm still here. I'm here. I'm working with you guys, whatever you guys need. And then being able to build on top of that and be like, you know, um, we have – meetings on Tuesday, practice on Wednesday. And then on Thursday night, we've got, you know, a special presentation from this therapist, you know, something generic doesn't have to dive do, uh, too deeply into anything, but like, here's a small little presentation on what she can do for you, what the benefits are, whatever it may be. Um, but having somebody in there to speak on that, it would be huge. Um, I've got uh, a good friend of mine and starts up a, uh, a, a company of his, it's called the Legacy Foundation. And he specifically works with athletes in this uh, in this area his name is Vince Luciani and he is fantastic a phenomenal person he's gone to the University of York before I believe he's done some work in Toronto and uh, some other universities at Waterloo I think and just talking to people and uh, defining like hey you're more than just an athlete who are you really what other skills do you bring to the table you know your athleticism is one day going to leave you are more than just that and his message is unbelievable if we can replicate that that would be amazing well first of all i think zach uh get on getting that guy on the show um but follow up to that do you think that and this again i'm not taking shots at people any shots at school that that idea of bringing someone in just for the for the team or just for athletics in general hasn't really been discussed that much because while the stigma on mental health is changing it's not quite there yet where people actually realize the importance of it because people know if he is a torn ACL, she is a torn MCL, they can't play, you know? Oh, if they're too weak, they need to get stronger, but they're kind of like, Oh, if they're depressed, just shut up, play for 60 minutes thing, then go cry by yourself. We don't like, is that not like, are we not at that stage yet where coaches or administration or even the players themselves are recognizing how important having a strong mental health is like in, and and dealing with it before it gets to the point. I mean, we just had an interview that's coming up next week, dealing with it before it gets to, the dangerous dark thoughts and kind of handling it as you mature as an adult. For sure. Um, I think the biggest kind of hurdle that you need to uh, kind of get over that is the idea of like, you know, being able to explain to somebody who doesn't have depression, what it's like and how debilitating it is. 
you know, anybody can really deal with, oh yeah, you know, I've had, I've had too much pain to not be able to play. Like that's important. We need to fix that. Or I haven't been strong enough to, to do this certain thing. We need to fix that. We need to bring somebody in, but trying to explain to somebody who has never had depression or who's never gone through something like that, how debilitating and how, you know, paralyzed you can feel in that moment is so difficult because they're like, oh yeah, like I've been sad before. Like, you know, I like I found a way to get through it. Like I'm sure like we can probably put something else together and, and get something like that, but we don't need like a full on therapist for this team versus, you know, you, if you have depression and you're going through things, especially if, you know, not only struggling to getting out of bed and to getting anything done, but if one thing goes wrong, you're a rest of your day, you're spiraling down and it's like, well, why am I doing anything anymore? Like I'm just going to mess everything up anyways. And so it's just, it's almost like running in quicksand. Like you're already waist deep and you're trying to pull yourself out. And then one thing happens and you sink and you almost give up. You know, I've, I've unfortunately had my fair share with dealing with depression. And, um, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, you wake up in the morning and you just want to, you want to turn the lights off. You want to shut the curtains and just curl into a ball and not do anything all day. You know, there were times where I really struggled with my classes and people were like, oh, yeah, like Tommy's just been out partying or whatever. It's like, I wish I was doing that. You know, I was in my room. I was doing nothing. I was under a blanket watching movies and TV trying to take my mind off of things. So having something like that and being able to properly express what that's like to people is what's really going to push this in the in the right direction. I, I definitely agree. And I mean, as someone who is in a constant state of dealing with uh, his own mental battles. If I hear one more person say, Hey man, just eat some fruit and, and go exercise. You'll feel a lot better. I'm going to lose my mind because I mean, if, for those that, you know, don't understand it and people are like, Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. It's not like equating to a sprained wrist. It's I'm not going to, I don't want to get out of bed. I have two broken femurs. Like I can not, it's not going to happen no matter how hard, even in the back of my head, get out of bed. It's not going to happen. So I, I do think that obviously, you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction, but there's still people that say, oh, just exercise, get some sun and feel like, yeah, I'll feel a little bit better, but I like this much. Well, like this much is negative. Yeah. Or it's like that idea of like, you know, certain people being, Hey man, like just go out for a walk, get out into nature and things like that. And it's like, okay, like I've walked 15 miles now it's not really getting like, I feel a little yeah. bit better because I'm out in the sun, but it's not really getting that much better. So what else do you have? And uh, something that I really loved, I, I heard of a, a therapist from a you know personal friend of mine who said, hey, there's a game out. It's called Animal Crossing. You know, it's this fun little game. You do nothing in it, but it's like just build up your little world and focus on that. And it's a great way to distract your mind. Help that person instantly because they're just doing this fun little, uh, you know, game. And it's something else to take your mind off of things. You know, sometimes dealing with that depression doesn't mean solving it. It just means taking a break from it. You know, if you can do something and take your mind off of, you know, whatever you're feeling sad about or depressed about, whatever it is, that's huge. Allowing yourself to like energize. Like it's like it's like bench pressing for 24 hours a day you finally get to rack the weights and, and relax for a little bit. Oh my God. It feels amazing. You know, the weights are still there. It's still something that you have to deal with, but not having to deal with it in that moment is huge. It's, it's more than I can put into words. 
And with those different examples that both of you were giving out, I I don't know if patronizing is the right word, but it comes across as something similar to that where it's like, oh, really, you have you have the solution, you know, you know, like what you're telling me, that's going to fix you. You're I'm going to go for that walk and then it's all get you. And of course, it probably comes from good intentions, but sometimes it can obviously be really irritating, extremely irritating if you're the one obviously dealing with it. Um, Tom, so two days from now, I mean, one day from when people are listening to this. But February 20th, you're giving this TED Talk, uh, McMaster TED Talk. So I got to ask at least to end on a, on a slightly light note. Are you going to be wearing that beautiful Griffin polo in <laughs> the video, even though it's McMaster related? Or are you going with a more uh, marauder maroon color concept? What are we going to be seeing when we're tuning in on February 20th? <laughs> I, well, I tried to go as neutral as possible. And I have uh, a really nice blue suit that I, I busted out for it. So there's no red. There's no maroon. It's just... Uh, uh, it's me looking fly as hell in my blue suit. Oh my God. Breaking news on at the 55 right now. Tom Sterling is going to UFT to coach <laughs> with coach Irv there. We just heard it right now. He's wearing the blue suit. Uh, well, you can see Tom Sterling wearing his beautiful blue suit. Uh, you know, hopefully if you're catching this podcast on the 19th, or even if it's the morning of, uh, let, let folks know where they can, you have to, you said you have to buy a ticket to get into the event. Well, how, how does it work? How can people, uh, go watch you um do your ted talk yeah so there's a website it's tedxmcmaster.ca all one word um there's an easy tab that you just click buy tickets and i believe each ticket is either 15 dollars or 20 dollars uh and then on that day they send you a link uh, where you can view the ted talk and and everything else so um, if you have some time it would be incredible i believe most of the proceeds are going towards frontline workers so it's going towards a good cause and there's even an option in there where you can uh, pay for a frontline worker to have a free ticket to go through. Um, I think right now they said something along the lines of like 250, 300 people are already confirmed to, to buy a ticket and watch, which is incredible. But, you know, the more people who can come out and watch and even specifically just talking about my own, because that's the one that I know the most. If I can help somebody else, then man, that'd be that'd be the best. Well, I, I can't wait. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you, man, for doing this. Uh, I imagine it was probably... Uh, stressful just preparing for it and dealing with it. So I'm proud of you for doing this because as you said, you you will be helping people from just sharing your story. Um, So you being able to do that is awesome. Um, And thank you for coming on here to give us a little preview uh, of what's going to be going on on the talk and just to share your story. Uh, Always appreciate you coming on with us, Tom. It is always a genuine pleasure to talk with you boys. And anytime you need anything from me, I'm always available. I love it. Take care, Tom. You too, guys.